Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance, and today I'm so excited to introduce Stuart Waters, a cutting-edge dance theatre creator and performance artist who has been creating powerful dance theatre in the UK for 20 years. Stuart is bringing his new, exciting, autobiographical work called Rock Bottom um, to theatres in the UK. He's starting off at one of London's really important um, theatres here called The Place. For those outside of the, uh, London and, and across the world, it's a space where we see some of the most e- exciting uh, work that is emerging. And with 20 years behind Stuart's career to date, we've got some very exciting work to look forward to. So hi, Stuart. How are you? Hi. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So, thank you so much for joining us today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar, perhaps um, around the world, how would you describe dance theatre to someone who may not quite recognise what that is? <laughs> um, well, I find, I find the term dance theatre um, quite an interesting one anyway in the first place. I think it's, um, it's quite a fast-evolving um, art form that takes on a lot of different, a lot of different uh, looks. I think some, some are more um, movement-based than others. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whereas others may be um, uh, taking on lots of different influences. So I guess in, in the aspect of the work that I'm doing, um, you could say that the work um, sits somewhere between uh, theatre uh, and dance, um, even though <laughs> dance is still part of theatre. Mm. I still think, um, yeah, there's... there's um, there's a fine line between the amount of movement there is as well as mm-hmm. uh, text uh, and uh, a character work as well. And you've got a, a real solid background in contemporary dance. Why, mm-hmm. When did you start dancing and why? When did I start? Yeah. Um, I actually started in, in, in school plays, actually, so it feels a little bit ah. like... Um, my relationship with movement and dance and theatre is all sort of going go full circle. But I started quite young at school, um, and then I just started to get much more into um, pure, pure movement and moved a little bit away from uh, drama and theatre studies, and, and started becoming more interested in just moving. And uh, and then I guess my 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 interests became more and more specific, and I wanted to train technically and become um, a more uh, proficient. Uh, technical dancer so I kind of went on to to do my A-levels um, which led me to uh, the Northern School of Contemporary Dance which is where I did my uh, full technical training for, um, back in the mid-90s mm-hmm. <laughs> yes and then you went on to the London School of Contemporary Dance when another prestigious uh, dance yeah, training that was a, that was much later down the line I okay. did, um, yeah um, that, uh, goodness me I guess that was probably now nearly uh, eight or nine years ago, I did my MA. So it was after a bit of uh, after a bit of touring and um, working with lots of different companies and touring around the world. I I wanted to sort of revisit revisit uh, dance in a more academic way. So I went, uh, you know, fifteen eighteen years later back. Interesting. And, uh, did, my ma- did my masters at London School of Contemporary Dance, which uh, was a really good thing to do to sort of reflect back on what I've done so far and think about how I might want to progress as a as a dance artist. 
And tell us about some of the companies that you've worked with. So there's some, again, renowned com- uh, companies here in the UK, like Protein Dance and Motion House. And interestingly, Wired Aerial Theatre, so getting back to some of your more sort of theatre work. Tell us about your experiences with those companies. Um, yeah, I've spent quite a long time working with um, with both those companies. I think I was with Motion House for three years. I think I worked with Luca Silvestrini and Protein Dance over a five-year period, and uh, Wide Aerial has been a much wider uh, spectrum of time. I still do bits of work with them, so that's probably over a 10-year period. Um, yeah, I mean, both of those, all of those, all of those companies are bringing in lots and lots of different um, different elements. Uh, in terms of uh, set and use of props. So it started to move a little bit more away just from pure movement and more into um, themed shows mm-hmm. um, and uh, emotional work with uh, protein dance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and wide area theatre is always much more uh, varied, so that t- takes on lots of different looks. So um, making theatre and making theatrical pieces, but with different apparatus such as uh, bungee out or uh, five or eight meters in the air so oh. um, bringing in different um, apparatus but still trying to make a little piece of theater mm-hmm. uh, rather than something that's so tricksy for example so um, all of those all of all of those companies I guess were we were pulling on different um, uh, I suppose you could say a more theatrical use of performance mm-hmm. so that the movement base and the movement technique is sort of the baseline to the performance and then and then the theme or the character, um, it, it kind of gets laid on top of everything else. So primarily all the performers are dancers, but um, dancers that, then, yeah, that I would work with in, the, in those companies all have a variety of other um, skills that you can use theatrically on top of a strong dance base. And as a, a dancer and a creator yourself, when did you sort of first become interested in creating your own work? Um, I think on reflection, I never really see myself as a choreographer, but then looking back <clears throat> over my career so far, I've always enjoyed working with um, youth dance and like centre of arts training schemes and universities where um, in between performing I would work with groups to create work um, that they would perform. And I'd always really enjoyed those. And I... I guess also my relationship with um, some of the companies that we've just spoken about, for example, they've always been collaborative. So I've always been involved in that that creative process as a collaborator anyway, in terms of um, bringing my own life experiences or my reaction to the topic or the issue or the uh, or the subject matter in the studio. And through improvisation or tasks, I would, you know, help create and mould the show. So I guess in some ways I've always been a bit of a maker, mm. even though I've predominantly been performing. But um, sort of it starts to reach a point where you kind of want to, you become more and more interested in seeing where that relationship with steering, steering a creative process can go. And you've got a new work called Rock Bottom that you're uh-huh. taking on a bit of a mini tour um, across the UK. You're off to four different locations 
um, over the next over about a, a five week period, starting at the place on the twelfth of September. Tell us about uh, this piece because I have I've read a, a little bit about um, your work, and I'm particularly interested in uh, some of the aspects around the human spirit and surviving what sometimes, as I've read, seems impossible, and about self destructiveness and about uh, happiness as well. All in all, subject matters that are really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, what were we just talking about in terms of wanting to make that a step in terms of making a first full-length piece of work? Um, uh, the irony of that is that, the, um, you know, a life experience mm-hmm. or a really, <clears throat> excuse me, or a really powerful life experience happened simultaneously with that need or that desire to make that first step. Um, so the two things sort of collided at the same time. So I wanted to make something, and then I went through quite a large, powerful experience in my own private life, um, which uh, I started to feed into that. And uh, yes, I guess over a few-year period, um, my mental health started to decline, and it became much more of a challenging situation to face. So... um, that's why the show is called Rock Bottom. You know, I hit mm-hmm. my own personal rock bottom, um, <clears throat> and then through that uh, recovery process, mm-hmm. um, I learned a great deal, and uh, I, it then sort of brought me back to what's probably the largest part of my own identity, which is as a dance artist and that need to uh, make work about things that matter or be in be in work that speaks to people. All of those things sort of emerged at the same time, and um, I began to make a show about everything that had just happened to to me myself in terms of um, emotionally and physically and spiritually, I suppose. It sounds like, um, as you mentioned, this autobiographical um, piece is obviously very very personal to to your story um and i think you know when it comes to mental health um uh, it's great that actually this is a subject matter um within the dance industry and, and more wider is is actually talked about and that work is created to reflect and um, to reflect your one you know someone's experience who's been through this i think it's very powerful um to have brought this topic and how did it feel for you in terms of creating the work um based on your experience what was it like in the studio for you um i mean it's not been it's not been easy (laughs) (laughs) i'm not not going to lie about that but um i don't think i ever really expected it to be and i think also um creative processes aren't easy and i think if you're making um a show about anything that's emotional Mm. or if you're making a show about anything that's topical um, there's a certain level of uh, vulnerability and emotional energy that's uh, that gets used b- between, between the people that are in that in in the in the studio. Um, so right back at the beginning, three years ago, when I first got my f- my first arts council um, funding to um, to research how to begin making it, mm-hmm. um, we decided that, that we needed some kind of uh, create uh, some artistic practice. In order to in in order to make it, which is still ongoing, and is something that I'm in dialogue with the dance industry about. But you know, how can you? Because I wanted to still make something that was 
um, strong piece of art, which in, in, from my perspective is something that's still quite risky and personal and full of vulnerability. So I wanted to I wanted to talk about my experience in a very personal way, but I also wanted to learn and make sure that I was also uh, not breaking myself at the same time, mm. that we were, make, we were taking these risks safely. Um, um, and then as the project's grown, that conversation with the dance industry and audiences has been really interesting because, you know, at grassroots level, it's just about you, yourself and the team. And then when you start to create it and then you start to think about touring it, the conversation about the work that you're doing and how you keep not only yourself but your team and audiences safe when watching something that is particularly hard-hitting and triggering mm -hmm. emotionally, um, you suddenly realise there's quite a big responsibility to performing that work to audiences. So there's been quite, there's been a, a massive amount of conversation with venues, audiences, um, and dance industries, and uh, and the general public about about how you do that and the ongoing challenges of of making work like this. It sounds it's clearly a very serious piece of work, and create creating any work for an artist is is very revealing and, and does make you very vulnerable because it's you know, your creation. But also this added level, it's very brave to talk about your own experiences and your own rock bottom and your own challenges around mental health. That's an exceptionally brave thing to do. Um, yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess I think people keep using that word. I mean, I just it just seemed to make sense to me that um, if I wanted to contribute to the the challenges of mental health and the sort of, and the wide public conversation that we are, you know, rightly so now having about mental mm. health. Um, if I was going to contribute to that in any way, the only way I think, and the way that I've been working a lot over the years with different companies is to bring a part of myself to it. So um, it was a choice just to talk about it from a particular place. And also, I think if you if people know that they're watching something that's real, that mm. also um, touches people in a different way. And I wanted to people I wanted to touch people so that we could open um, we could open a more you know honest conversation around mm. mental health. Yeah, um, just to have that to <clears throat> spark that dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to use my story to talk about the bigger picture of mental health. So. Um, it took a long time uh, in the studio as well to work out lots of different scenes and mechanisms, theatrical mechanisms within the show, um, to to share, to balance out my story and then other other scenes that drop out into the wider umbrella of mental health, so that there's a sort of uh, people can watch the show and read their own life experiences into my story as well as listen to my story as well, but. The, the the aim has been to use my story as a as a way to talk about it really and your story that you mentioned obviously you don't want to sort of give away the whole the whole show and the narrative for for the show but is there a sort of a glimpse into that story that you wanted to share um, so audiences might think about you know what it is that they might be coming to see or is it something you want them to come to sort of without uh, un without sort of knowing too much yeah, I mean, I think my my story my story is uh, you know a, a solo man on stage, um, and and you know from a from a gay man's perspective, there are scenes that drop in and out of um, 
uh, you could call it, you know, gay culture, mm-hmm. um, bringing bringing in, um, uh, you know, depression and anxiety, but that leading to, you know, self-destructive um, mechanisms such as addiction mm-hmm. and and then near-death experience. Um, so all of those things are in there. So it's there's um, <laughs> it's it's quite a powerful show. I mean, there are moments. It's quite hard hitting, isn't it? irony and dark humour to um, to give different perspectives um, but yeah but like I say I mean there are scenes in it that are um, that open up that are just that talk about um, anything that people could relate to so pe- different audience members have come along and even though it's not necessarily their story mm-hmm. they might be suffering a different mental health um, situation or um, they might they might be in a different area of mental health but something that I I personally felt was that whatever area of mental health you might be boxed into and given the title of that particular mm. mental health mm. situation a lot of the emotional a lot of the emotional um, aspects of mental health uh, are the same or they cross over quite a lot so I wanted that sense of vulnerability um, isolation loneliness um, uh, and that's and that sort of internal struggle that I think a lot of people a lot of people have um, yeah, so people in lots of different um, people have reached out after the show, you know, from lots of different um, walks of life and reflected on how it's touched them and made them think about their their particular situation, which is very different to the story that I've been telling. So I've been really happy that the uh, the show has worked in that way for people. Absolutely, and to have that conversations, you know, between audience members, they might, you know, walk out of the studio and and say something or share something with their whomever's gone with them, or go home and and feel more confident having that conversation they may not have felt they could have before. Perhaps reflecting on what they've seen, which would be, you know, obviously something which we we don't see that happens as a result of dance, but that impact that it can have in terms of really affecting audiences, not just in the in the theatre, but as they go as they sort of go on with their lives. And it sounds like this is as you as it's sort of you know build is sort of painfully quite revealing, um, but you also uh, talk about happiness um as part of this narrative do you come round into your story sort of going full circle from the the rock bottom and and exploring what happiness means to you um now or, or throughout your your experiences yeah i mean i think um i didn't want the audience to, <laughs> to leave uh, depressed um i think i definitely wanted the audience to feel um uh you know sense of reality about the the issues of mental health um i guess the seriousness of, of some of those issues but um i guess also the the reality is you know in terms of my story is that um i didn't i didn't die i didn't pass away so mm. the, the full circle of the story and coming back and that sort of hope about you know what does the future look like and um giving giving yourself and the audience hope about what's in front of you so um yeah, I wanted to bring a sense of, um, you know, positive metaphor as well. There are moments of the different metaphors throughout the show, so especially ending on 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 one that's definitely much more um, uh, positive. And you also talk about the tenacity of the human spirit to survive. And as you mentioned, you know, you 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 didn't uh, didn't die, which is 
obviously great <laughs> so it sounds so glib but I don't quite know what else to say actually and I think so many people we all we all struggle with mental health issues at some point in our lives and I know you know a lot of dancers obviously struggle with with mental health issues as well you know not not necessarily always you know create you know Cause, or cause and effect. It's not always, you know, because you're a dancer or you're in the dance industry. It could be because of something external to the work that you do. Um, for you, how was it for you? Was it a combination of things within your life that was, you know, challenging at the time? Um, what about mental health? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think, I, I don't think my story is much of an original one in some ways. I think like, at the time I was living in London as well and I think there's a I think you know in terms of the conversation around mental health that modern world definitely always comes into it mm. and I think some of the this sort of fine line between especially as a dancer this fine line between uh, being passionate and obsessive about your career mm. um, and where's the, where are all those boundaries between your life and the artistic life and I think being a being a performing artist, touring artist, you know, sometimes that's really challenging because so much of your so much of your life and your personal life and your um, emotional energy is wrapped up into the job that you do. So I think sometimes it's quite easy for the the, the thin line to to be very unclear. It's quite easy to, to for everything to be going towards work and you know and and nothing else. I think. Mm. Just because the nature of the art form is this demands so much of you, and if you want to do it well, then you you know you put everything and more so into it. Um, but as I've learned, I'm learning that that's not always the best thing for you as an ind- individual. But I think mm. as a culture, um, not just in dance, but you know now just with working culture, whatever yeah. sect you might be in, people are working, 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 yeah. working working so we tend to we as a coach now we seem to all have this mentality where we work to the point mm. where we snap a bit yeah absolutely exactly as you said you know being a, a dancer is sometimes all or nothing almost in in a lot of ways i I had a conversation um, as one of the podcasts that are coming out shortly with a dance psychologist who talks about um, many of the conversations that he has had with with dancers about the how difficult it is as a as a profession and as uh, as a lifestyle because it is such a it does create your identity as a person um, and those boundaries even the ones that you mention in you know the normal sort of life outside dance you know where does the boundaries of work and your life and you, who you are sort of where where do, where do they sit and in this modern world exactly as you say it's very very challenging and which is why I think mental health needs to be talked about more mm. um, and all industries including dance are making strides and I think we just need more conversations and more honesty and so it's great to see work being produced about such a, a raw story and a, a story as you said that many people connect with for many different reasons because everyone some usually somewhere experiences the, the difficulties um, mm-hmm. do you think there's anything in particular that um, the you know the industry could be doing you know to um, to help or to change so that it is less you know pressurized or I'm not sure what what the industry can can do to be different 
I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of things come um, come down to time and money and mm. and old and old cultures, and maybe maybe just possibly it's time to reevaluate how we work as a culture and how mm. how we work with our um, with our performers, with our office team. How do how does everybody um, still manage to work towards the art without? Mm it becoming too much um and i think like it's a really difficult thing to do because everyone has a very different everyone has a really different setup um but i think there are a lot of different versions and challenges for different people i think i think people working in a a full-time company have a very different might have a very different um mental health challenge uh to a self-employed solo dance artist working in a community that spends all, a lot a lot of time by themselves working with mm. lots of different vulnerable groups and and running around trying to keep a lot, lot of different sessions going so I think everyone faces different um, different challenges um, I think maybe the place to start is to start is just maybe start to think about um, artistic practice I guess you know we were talking about dance theatre and mm-hmm. I think there are so many different versions of that now and performers and dance artists are expected to have such a range of skills that they can bring and um, I think it keeps backdating so I think the pressures of what you need the expectation of what you need in order to succeed um, is already seen a lot further back further down the line in the training Mm. um, part now so I think that people feel that pressure um, and I think it's just I don't think it's I don't think it's rocket science really. I think it's just about maybe rejigging and looking at how you work in the studio um, if you are making emotional work uh, some thinking around how you might um, safeguard yourself as the director but also the people that you're working with um, re- looking at artist practice how you might how you might um, you know excavate um material from performers in a in a kind human way mm-hmm. um how you share that how mm-hmm. do they stay safe in that um um i also think you know we're really good about thinking about the physical body now and that people put money into their budgets for looking after the the artists bodies i think we i think we need to start finding a way of you know, and I know this is challenging, but also maybe finding a way of also adding mental health to the budget as well, and how to, you know, so that people also have um, an opportunity to, to I don't know, see a counsellor or whatever yeah. that that version might be in that context. Um, that's obviously easier for, that's obviously easier for people in a company setting. They might have, they might be able to start doing that. I think independent artists have a really challenging time because they're running around auditioning mm. trying to get doing bits and bobs of this that and the other um i think a lot of the i think a lot of the 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 words that exist in being a, prof- a dancer are slightly problematic so you know in terms of you know perfectionism yeah uh, and this sort of resilience training mm. um that brings that also brings up a lot of other stuff that i think it might be time to think about how do we still work um hard in a resilient way um how do we still build, build our resilience but without without all the negative emotional stuff yeah as well so i think, I think that's absolutely it's a, <laughs> a very so many great places to start there yeah I, I do think i do think there's a lot of things that can be 
tweaked. I don't think they're massive things, but mm. I think it, in light of the fact that we're having this pub, massive public conversation about it, the dance industry could could probably everybody could. I mean, people are. It's not that people aren't. Yes, that's I just think yeah. that um, there's probably a lot further to go in terms of of everybody having a healthier and happier experience mm. as you mm. say not just physical uh, but also emotionally and mentally as well and the challenges as you say a lot of dance companies are providing that type of support now and the industry is working but as you say if you're a freelance dancer or dance artist or choreographer and you're by yourself a lot of the time um then it can be very isolating and you can feel very alone and your interactions might be very different um, with the, depending on whether or not you're regionally based, London based or in major cities around the world. And that can have an, a, an effect as well because, you know, it's not in any way the same, but my husband, he works at from home by himself it's very it's very isolating and i think when people think oh you get to you know work freelance and independent and actually you don't realize that there are so many um factors that you never thought were going to be um something you need to think about in terms of things like isolation and how that can make you feel it's um so i think you know life as a freelance dancer you know with funding and opportunities to create and share work is so so difficult in any case in in this current times that yeah it'd be great if there was something some sort of wider support there i mean i think also like having everyone being more connected is probably a way as well especially with the cha- with challenges of of money and funding mm. and um i think that's dance communities could maybe work at being more connected so they stay connected more as a natural dance community whether you're the community in london or whether you're a regional mm. a group of regional dancers in a different region in the uk i think it's very easy to, to be very separate on your own thing and i think actually everyone probably needs to do the opposite and become a little bit more tight-knit so that you can help each other out, offer each other uh, skill-sharing sessions, keep each, keep, keep each other's positivity up, I suppose. Yeah. And then when things are difficult, you've got a community of, of people around you rather than being part of a network, but you don't actually ever really connect. So I think there, must, I think there might be a lot of simpler ways that a lot of different regions around the UK can also connect. I mean, it'll be different for everybody, but I think mm. it's something that I feel and I see. I've heard, um, it, from other, I've heard it from other um, other artists as well, Stuart. I think there is this, this need and this desire for a, a tighter, supportive dance community rather than the industry. Mm. And I think people coming out, I think it's really, I think it, I mean, it must be terrifying for people coming out of conservatoires and universities as well and just trying to find find their way. So I think there's, what's challenging about it, I think, is there are people that, there are so many different people at such different points mm. of their career. Because I think also, you know, I, I guess I fall into the mid-career um, category, brackets, whatever, but, um, you know, that's, that in some ways feels very um, unsupported in some ways if you're not you know how do you keep everything going yeah there's so much to do and then you've got to create something (laughs) exactly and then if you've passed that point as well you know Mm. you're you're further down the line what is it for you know then we're working against you know ageism essentially yeah um, as well so I think 
there's there's a lot of different things happening um, that present very different challenges <laughs> and opportunities for change and opportunity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and thinking about some of the opportunities and some of the the lessons as well i i, I noted you also um create workshops for dancers and non-dancers and i was reading um that your approach focuses on sort of removing or addressing self-doubt um which is something of a, a bit of an interest, um, again, for myself. I'm, I'm quite fascinated with all these subject matters. But um, tell us, how do, you, how do you sort of address this, um, you know, that sort of lurking thing in the corner, the big self-doubt in, in working with dancers and non-dancers? Um, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> a big you know, one. It's difficult. It difficult. Um, I think some of the workshops that I've, workshops that I've done is that whatever anybody um, trying to design a, um, some dance activity alongside what Bottom was we've been on tour that um, basically can empower people um, it took some thought because I think you want to also want an experience where you know whether you're a dancer or not a non-dancer whatever you're doing and whatever you're bringing to the table is absolutely valid so I designed a designed a workshop where we explored um very different two different words that led to the feeling of empowerment really and so i kind of rejigged how i might lead a workshop like that so it's not a technical class mm-hmm. um it's more of a explorative and creative thinking kind of experience so through conversation and uh, the, the process that we developed, which was checking in, uh, checking in to build trust and to see where everybody might be, talking about what we might think about and explore through conversation, and then we would move into move into movement exploration based on what we were all talking about. So there isn't a re- there's, there's a situation in the workshop where there isn't really um, there's no aesthetic expectation, um, and there's definitely no um, right or wrong it's it's just more about everybody empowering themselves through through something that they've contributed in the conversation and then comes out through their body so everybody's working within their own um within their own limitations and uh yeah the i mean the basis is to basically have fun and think about that and then reflection so then to come back and then reflect again through conversation to talk about that and then this, and it's just a simple process and then we would explore another word and it'd be exactly the same thing so um we designed this workshop um where we'd ex- we explored um all the emotional aspects around um moments of feeling um powerless and then we did the opposite and we did um powerful and then the result was um people felt empowered by the end of the workshop so that's how we sort of designed some thinking around how people could be included um whether they were a dancer or a non-dancer i love i love that um that word empowerment and feeling empowered i think that's absolutely wonderful um i think that's just um, it's always a magical feeling when you when you can have that and to be able to help people feel that is wonderful so just finally then quickly let's tell me about your tour so you're coming into london on the 12th september and then you're heading to birmingham Midlands Arts Centre, then down to Cornwall, and yeah. then over to Plymouth, which is um, that's 
quite I'm not the best geographical person being an Aussie who seems to never know where I am in this country um, <laughs> um, but that sounds like an exciting uh, exciting tour and then you're what's next for you after you finish up in Plymouth on the 9th of October um, well I mean I, I would love Rock Bottom to live on in some way um, but I'm starting to think about exploring some new ideas you know to make something that potentially could go alongside Rock Bottom or or to, to tour separately so themes and ideas that have grown and uh, some of the wonderful people that we've met throughout the year um, just trying to draw the dots really and make some connections about thinking about making making something new or at least at least exploring and researching um, something else that's come that's grown out of this rock bottom experience really well that sounds like a, a story that is has a next chapter to it um, from from rock, rock bottom to, to yeah. where well from rock bottom to touring around the the UK and hopefully some more. Thank you so much for talking to us today, no, Stuart. About you. and I know this is a really personal story for you, so I really do appreciate you sharing this with with us and with me. Um, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing Rock Bottom at the place in London. And thank you. Thank you. So just for those who are listening and want to find out more about Stuart and his work and his personal story, just go check out his website, stuartwaters.info, S-T-U-A-R-T, waters.info. And the dates for his tour are the, the place in London on the 12th of September, which you can find at theplace.org.uk, Birmingham Midlands Arts Centre on the 2nd of October, and Truro College in Helford Theatre in Cornwall on the 8th of October, and University of Plymouth, 9th of October. So anyone who has an interest in dance or dance theatre or would like to see the rock bottom story, get along to those four key dates. Thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.